Boy, welcome everybody. It's so good to get together and worship God. I'd like to welcome everyone that's watching this service online too. And when you get the chance, you guys that are watching online, while you come and come and visit us in person. We're going to make you feel right at home here. These are the best people in the state of Minnesota in our church right here. So, so man, but we are going to have a great time worshiping God today. Um, I, I just like to make this declaration over everybody here worshiping and worshiping online. It's the first couple verses of the 91st Psalm. Man, we live within the shadow of the, of the Almighty, sheltered by the God who is above all gods. And this I declare over each one of you that God alone is our refuge. Let's worship God together. Hallelujah. If we can stand up this morning. Yeah. Praise you, God. Well, God, we just lift our eyes this morning. We lift our eyes to you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. We lift our hopes, Lord, to you, God. Our hope is in you, God. Yeah. Come on, let's lift the eyes of our hearts. Lord, we open up our hearts, God. We set our love on you. I set my love on you, Lord. I set my love on you, Lord. You are worthy, God. Yeah. Be glorified today. Be glorified today. Be glorified today. You said if we lift you up, Lord, you'll draw men to you. Hallelujah, Lord. So we lift our eyes today. Praise you. Reminding me 
King of Kings is in the room today. How would we respond if we could see him rightly? Oh, worthy, worthy, Jesus. Worthy, worthy, Jesus. Worthy, worthy, Jesus. Oh, King of Kings. Oh, King of Kings. Oh, King of
You know, one of the things I love so much about our worship time is that if you notice the words to the songs that we worship God with are, are just putting scripture to music. And you know, when, when you and I start saying what God says, why, some good things start to happen. And, um, and, and you know, as we were worshiping this morning, you know, thinking about that, speaking the word of God, it, it made me think of this story in the Bible. And I mean, this happened about 4,000 years ago, but I think it's really applicable to just today. And that's the, that's the story of Isaac over in Genesis chapter 26. You know, Isaac, I, I, you know, you, you and I should kind of identify with him because he was Abraham's son. And Abraham physically put the blessing that he had on Isaac. And, and, and you know, but for, for you and I that are in Christ, why, you know, Galatians 3.14 says that now that we're in Christ, we've been released to that same blessing that Abraham had and what Isaac had. And, and, and what that blessing did for Abraham is that he, he had a relationship with God like, uh, like God would show up and have dinner with him and they'd discuss what they were going to do together next, you know. And, 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 that, and that blessing, it caused him to be um, totally healthy and strong, even though he got to be very, very aged in years. It, it, it didn't affect his, uh, his physical body, and, and it caused him to be the richest man on earth at the time that he lived. And so, and so of course, that blessing now is on Isaac by the time you get to Genesis 26, why Abraham had, had gone to paradise. But, but it's so interesting the way that God got the blessing to Isaac. You know, it says that Isaac lived in Gerar, and, uh, and a famine came. You know, you know, at that time, why a famine would come, the rain would just stop. And then there'd be no crops. So, I mean, there'd be no food. I mean, you know, we might deal with pandemics and terrorists, but that's kind of easy to do when you got enough to eat, you know. But those guys, they just run out of food. So, so, so at first, Isaac responded to the circumstance. And so he, so he, he, he got his family together and they started for Egypt because in Egypt they had the Nile River and at least there you could survive you wouldn't starve to death but you know God met him on the road and he told Isaac don't go to Egypt go back to Gerar and plant your crops just like you would normally do 
Well, Isaac, he went back. He responded to the word of God. You know, that's always the choice, isn't it? We can respond to circumstances or we can respond to the Word of God. Well, Isaac responded to the Word of God. He went back home and went out and planted. I mean, his neighbors thought he was nuts. I mean, taking good seed, valuable seed, and putting it in sand. No chance of growing. But you know, it says that he, he harvested a hundredfold return that year. Right out of that dry sand, you know, uh, an average crop on a good year at that time this was four times as much, would have been 25-fold. This was 100-fold he harvested. But you know, the thing about it is, his crop was the only one there. So it'd be like, if you were raising corn here in this fall, you, you had a bumper crop, but you had the only crop anywhere. So now your corn wouldn't be worth $3.50 a bushel. I mean, what would it be worth? I mean, what do people pay when they're starving to death? See, so God made him the richest man on earth uh, um, from that famine. His response, he chose to respond to God's word. And in fact, it said he had more money than the government. He had a bigger house than the king because he chose to respond to God's word. And, and you know, that same decision is available to us today. We can choose to respond to circumstances and survive only or choose to respond to the word of God and receive the blessing of God on our life. And so I, I, I don't know about you, but that, what that means to me is this week, I, I'm going to be singing these songs that we sang today in church. And uh, I don't have a great singing voice, but God likes it. And that, that's all that really matters. And, uh, and, uh, but, but that's what I'm going to be doing inst instead of wringing my hands about the latest news report I heard. Because I'm going I'm to choose to respond to the Word of God. And boy, as all of us do that, see, what, what, what might look like a setback in the natural, uh, if, if you start saying what God says, respond to His Word, why, He'll turn that into a setup for your greatest success. And I just want to speak that over everybody here. As you do that, as you start speaking the Word of God, as you sing these songs that we sing during the week in church here, why, the greatest days for you are right up ahead. God's got them for you. Man, praise God. Well, we got to move on with the service. But, man, I, I just like to remind everybody here, you're not ordinary or average. You're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. So why don't you stand up tall and, and, and we'll greet each other, our brothers and sisters. Good morning, everyone. Well, I'm... I'm, uh, it's my privilege to take this morning tithes and offerings. So where are my ushers at? Oh, we don't have ushers now. You guys, okay, or, okay. If you want an envelope, we got one guy walking around with envelopes here. The other ones are scared to be next to you, I think. No, I'm just kidding. That was for the camera there. <clears throat> no. Um, actually, Dave kind of took my my uh, sermon from me a little bit. I had this, the phrase that was going through my mind was, don't react to fear, but respond to God's word. That's what I wanted to say today. And that's what literally Dave was saying. I'm like, oh, I already said it, so let's just forget it. But um, 2 Corinthians 9, I've been reading this. There's two verses I just want to read to you. And I, I encourage you to read this, 2 Corinthians 9, 10. It says, the generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer... So God supplies it, right? So catch that. Which becomes bread for our meals is even more extravagant toward you. 
First, he supplies every need plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it, so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. You will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. For when we take our gifts, take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. So God's enriching us. He's giving us seed to sow. First, he meets our needs, and then he, he expects to see us give generously, right? So that, in the end, it's what is it? So that many, that it causes many to give thanks to God. You guys want to be a part of that, right? And it, I mean, it continues on there, but um, that's what I've chosen to do in my life. When I feel the fear creeping in, like I'm not going to have enough, I don't react to the fear, but I respond to God. God says, if you feel like you're going to have, if you feel like lack's coming in on you, God says, if you will sow what you have in your hand, you will reap abundantly. It's a promise. God's promises are yes and amen. They're always true. doesn't matter. Just like Dave was saying, if there's a famine in the land, you can't, God didn't say it. And then he lied to you. You're going to put that seed in the ground and like, ah, tricked you. Now you got nothing left. You know, I mean, if you respond to his word, his word is true. So whatever it is in your life, I'm not just talking about money or if you feel like you just have to go, okay, how can I sow what is in my hands so that I will always have more than enough? Amen? And so I just want to encourage you, don't react to fear. What's the reaction to fear? The typical reaction is put it in a can and then sit on the can, right? I, at least I got what I have. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig a hole, right, in the ground, and then I'm just going to, I'm going to, Keep stuffing things in that hole until I know I'm covered for the rest of my life. And that is a reaction to fear. But God wants us to respond to his word, which is when you see someone in need, if you have something they need, you give it to them. You know what I'm saying? Because why? Because then God reacts, responds to your response, right? And you begin to get this overwhelming of blessing coming at you. It's amazing how God, God does that. And so I so want to encourage you, don't let that fear get your heart. Respond to God's word. So let's just pray, Lord. Um, let's just pray here. Lord, thank you for this time. And um, God, we just, I just ask, I just speak peace over every storm. God, I speak peace to storms in people's hearts right now, Lord. And I just, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to begin to speak to us, Lord, in this season, Lord. God, show us people that we can be a blessing to. Yeah, that we could overwhelm people with your love by our response to you, Lord. Let us be those people, Jesus. So God, we just thank you that we have the opportunity to give today with our tithes and offerings. And we just bless you with these things, Lord. Every, all the blessings you poured on us, God, we give back. So we're thankful today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have buckets on these tables here if you're given. So you can stand up now, right? Oh, there's two in the back. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you for your giving. We appreciate it so much. And I'll just give you a couple of announcements. We are having a water baptism. Uh, we're scheduling it in the next couple of weeks. And so if you need to be baptized or want to be baptized, uh, please let uh, contact Linda here. She's sitting right up here. Um, now she's gone, but she'll be back. 
contact her. Um, also, this Thursday night, we have a worship and a prayer night here at the church at 6.30. So we're, we're coming together. We're going to be worshiping, singing, worshiping, and then we're going to be praying. And so praying for our nation, praying for specific needs. So that's this Thursday at 6.30, June 18th, 6.30. And then uh, next Sunday is Father's Day. And we are giving out, we've done this uh, for quite a few years now, we give out a New York steak, a one-pounder, one-pound New York strip steak to all the fathers. So if you're a father, you don't want to miss next Sunday. They always say a man's, uh, way to a man's heart is through his what? Stomach. Stomach. Yeah, we all know that. So anyways, um, so, you know, I, the reason we did this was years ago I had this uh, evangelist come in. And he said, um, he goes, I hate Father's Day. And he goes, I go to church, and this is the guy said, he goes, I go to church, and the preacher gets up and tells me what a lousy father I am. And then he gives me this junky little gifts and says, go home. And I go, that's what we do. <laughs> and so I thought, I'm going to change that. So I, I started, stopped preaching on what you need to do as far as, uh, you know, pick it up a little bit, fathers. And I started saying, man, you're awesome. You're great. And here's a pound of meat. <laughs> And so, anyways, so we're glad you're here. It's, uh, you know, we, for 12 weeks, I think it was, we were social distancing. Some people still are social distancing, but we're glad that you uh, waded through the pandemic and came. We're glad to have you here. And uh, I, I, this morning, I have a real high challenge uh, because, not for you guys, but for me, because I'm going to talk to you about uh, our flag. So how many have ever been to a church service and you heard a sermon on a flag? I didn't think so. So can you see what I got up against me? Uh, a couple, uh, about 20 years ago, I preached a little bit one time on America and I preached on the flag. And um, maybe you could just put it right up. Can you get a couple guys here? Chad or whoever, can you get, just help uh, Matt, you lead the way there and just put it right there. You don't have to put it too close, but just get it up a little bit. Don't watch the ceiling, guys. I didn't realize the flag was that big, but the flag we had here at church, I think this is the one that um, was Gary Wellman's on his, on his casket. Is that right? And so um, uh, I wanted a big one, and this one would fit the bill. But um, So I know you're thinking, are you kidding me? You're going to have a sermon on a flag. But uh, I am. I am going to do that. And uh, I think that uh, years ago, I, I preached on this one time, and um, about 20 years ago, and I'm not sure, sure how it went, but I saw some things that I want you to see about this. You know, I always believe this, that America is a, is a special nation. Uh, it's unique in a lot of ways. And I believe that it was founded by God. And I believe that it's been preserved by God. I think it's been touched by God and uh, the, the blessings of God's on it. And it has a prophetic destiny. I really believe that with all my heart. Uh, you know, some people say, is America a Christian nation? I used to always say that America is a Christian nation. I started to study history, and when people ask that question, is America a Christian nation, in the time that it was asked, uh, nations were, they forced religion on people. In other words, like, for example, Norway. I'm a Norwegian. Norway, up until the 19th century, if you were a Norwegian citizen, you were a Lutheran. You go, I don't want to be a Lutheran. Too bad, you're a Lutheran. 
You were, uh, the, the government supported the Lutheran church. The clergy were paid by the government. And the government kept all the Lutheran church buildings up, 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 kept, kept, up, how do you say that? Up, kept on them, up, updated on them, <laughs> fixed them, kept them up. <laughs> um, it's not working very good this morning. But anyways, <laughs> anyway, so, so, and so from that standpoint, America is not a Christian nation. In other words, all of its citizens, Christianity is not imposed upon them. So from that standpoint, it's not. But from the standpoint of it being founded on Christian principles, it is a Christian nation. And I remember one time I had a, I preached on America as a Christian nation one time. I had all these quotes from the founding fathers. And I, I was so shocked to hear some people say that America's founding fathers were all deists, they were atheists. And I read some of their quotes and I thought, how could a deist and an atheist say something like that? There's just no possible way. For example, and I don't want to go, th that's not really my subject, but I'm going to talk about the, the flag. But John Adams, who was the second president of the United States, this is what he said. He said, the general principles on which the fathers achieved in independence were the general principles of Christianity. The principles that the fathers achieved independence were the principles of Christianity. And so all of them would say things sort of like that. And um, one time, Benjamin Franklin, who they say was one of the least religious of the founding fathers, he would, they were stuck one time when they're trying to put together the Constitution and they couldn't seem to move forward. And he got up and said, you know, if, a, if a, a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground unless God sees it, how could a nation rise without the help of God? And he said, what we've been through only God and, and succeeded, only God, we could have done it because of God's hand. And they had taken on the greatest military might in the world at that time, and they won. It's amazing. And he said, there's only way we could have done that is if God's hand was upon us. And so what I begin to see is that America's founding principles did not come from a secular person, did not come from a humanistic person, but came out of the mind of God. I remember I started, I read, a, I used to read the history or the biographies of great Christians. You should do that, son. It's very inspiring. And I was doing that, just reading through one. And I came to one, uh, and I said some things about this last week. I came to one that was George Fox. I told you about him last week a little bit. He was a Quaker. George Fox was a Quaker. Quakers didn't call themselves Quakers. They called themselves Friends Society. But all other people called them Quakers because they would, they would quake under the power of God. And they they'd feel the power of God, they'd quake. Their, their, their uh, meetings were very informal. They were very spontaneous. And that was at a time when churches, everything was read. The sermon was read. The prayers were read. The exhortations were read. Everything was read. Can you imagine going to church? And even the prayers are read. They would read prayers and they would read sermons. Everything was canned and formal. And George Fox, he goes, he totally rejected that. And so they would get together and they would wait for the spirit to move. And sometimes they would quake. And then even women would preach. And it was a total different environment, totally. But he was a, really a revolutionary. And some of his beliefs, he spent more time in prison than out of prison because of his beliefs. And you know what some of his beliefs were? He believed that all men were created equal. He hated slavery. He believed in equality. 
Isn't it interesting? And so when our founding fathers, when they established our Constitution and our founding doctrine, which is the Declaration of Independence, they have some of those phrases that were Quaker theology. They have some of those phrases in our founding documents. And they adopted some of their beliefs. And so George Fox said he received that as a revelation from God. And it was, un, I mean, the whole thing was a, an experiment because it had never been done before. And it was a wild experience, an experiment. And, uh, and so they established our nation based on those type of things. And so the colony that was a Quaker colony was Pennsylvania. It was started by William Penn, who was a Quaker. Philadelphia was the city that he started. Actually, William Penn started the city of Philadelphia. Philadelphia means the city of brotherly love because that was a premise of the Quaker belief was the love of God, love of God toward people and the love of God toward each other. And so they lived very simple lives, very, uh, but, but were very warm and very friendly, not pretentious. They were pacifists, but all the wars that were in that day were primarily wars that were based on greed. They were trying to achieve, trying to get something somebody else had. It wasn't a war based on liberty or bringing freedom to a people. It wasn't, that wasn't the nature of wars back then. It was, the nature was, I want what you got, so I'm going to go to war with you. And so the Quakers were pacifists, conscientious objectors. But they started this colony in this city, Philadelphia, in, and Pennsylvania was the colony, and Philadelphia was the city. And it was a very unusual place because what they did was they invited everybody to come. So people were suffering under religious oppression and so it didn't matter who you were, whether you're a Quaker or whether you're whatever religion you were. And so they got some crazy people coming to that colony because they opened their arms up to everybody and said, just come on. Runaway slaves came there because they didn't believe in slavery. It was an incredible place. And that's where the capital of the United States was until Washington, D.C. was built and where all of our founding documents were signed was in the city of Philadelphia. Also, this, this flag, the, the original flag, was, was created in that city and was sewn in that city by a lady by the, well, you know, some of this is disputed, but most people believe it was sewn by a lady by the name of Betsy Ross. How many have heard of Betsy Ross? Well, Betsy Ross was a Quaker. And I find it interesting, but let me read this one verse before I go on here. And the reason I'm doing this is because, does anybody know what day this is today? Flag day. Wow, I didn't, I didn't think anybody know because I asked a few people and they go, I don't know. Yeah, it's flag day. It's a, I don't know if they consider it an official holiday, but it's a day of remembrance where we remember the flag because it was, it was a, a, a established on, in seven, on June 14th, 1777. They officially made this flag. It was, a little, it was quite a bit different than this flag, but this flag was the, the national flag. So I want you to read it, Psalms chapter 60 and verse 4. So I titled this message, Our Flag is Still Standing. Our flag is still there. Psalm 60 and verse 4 says, You have given your loyal followers a rallying flag so that they may seek safety from the bow. David is talking to God and he says, God, you have given your loyal followers a rallying flag so that they may seek safety from the bow. And so I, I looked at this flag one time and I thought, I think this flag 
was given to us by God. Now, you might think, well, you're stretching things here, but I don't think I am. And I'm going to try to show that to you this morning and uh, prove to you that this flag was given to us by God, that there was actually a, heaven, a design that has a spiritual significance to this flag. I don't know about you, but I get emotional when I, like when the Pledge of Allegiance or the Star Spangled Banner is sung. I remember one time, you know, I was in a foreign country. It was Sri Lanka, and we had been there for, you know, preaching on mission work, and it was, it was pretty intense, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a third world country, and so we were driving around there, and I was just like, I was thinking, man, this is intense, you know what I mean? It's really intense. And I'm driving around in the van with a bunch of people, and all of a sudden we turned down this one road, and I thought, well, this road looks a little better than most roads. And I saw all these official-looking buildings, and all of a sudden I came, came, this, came to this one building, and I saw this flag. And I can't tell you what it meant to me. I just shouted out, there's the flag! They're like, okay. It was, <laughs> it was the American consulate in Sri Lanka. I go, there's the flag! I just go, all right, now we're talking. You know, I just, I just got excited. I don't know about you, but. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times, I don't know if people know the story behind the Star Spangled Banner. I don't know if you ever heard the story. Francis Scott Key, who wrote the, the, it was actually a poem they set to music. But it was during the War of 1812, and Francis Scott Key was a lawyer. Him and a couple other guys uh, the British had, had, had burnt Washington, D.C., and they'd gone up the river and they were bombing Fort McHenry, which is where Baltimore is. And, um, and they had, Francis Scott Key had, uh, had was, went on to this British ship to negotiate the release of some prisoners. And so they successfully did that. But then what happened was, uh, because the bombardment started, they wouldn't let them off the ship. So Francis Scott Key and the guys that were with him had to stay on the ship all night. So all night, the British bombed Fort McHenry. And it was, it was a, a horrific, thousands of bombs bombed that fort that night and rockets. And, um, and so they could see the flag. was. And they had two flags at Fort McHenry. They had a storm flag, which was a small flag. And then they had another flag that was 30 by 42 feet. That's huge, 30 feet by 42 feet. And so when they, the bombing started, the storm flag was there. It was a smaller version. And they could see by the, every time a bomb went off, they could see the flag was still there. But in the morning, the fog had kind of rolled in. The smoke was in the air. And they didn't know if the flag, if the fort had fallen or if the fort was still standing. And so they kept asking, do you see it? Do you see the... Because the sign is that if the flag's no longer there, they've lost, the fort has fallen, and then the next major city in, in America has fallen to the British. And so what happened was when the sun began to rise, it began to dispel the fog, and all of a sudden they could see by the morning light the flag was still there, and they had taken down the storm flag, and they put that gigantic one up. It's just like... Excuse me. <laughs> Just like in your face, you know, here we put the huge one up there. In your face, British. And so the British, gave, they gave up, and three months later, they, they signed a peace treaty. They say that was the turning point. And so that is, when you hear that, that's the story behind it. But I like the last, I like the last, because the, there's actually four verses. The last verse, it says, then conquer we must, when our cause it is just, 
and this be our motto, in God is our trust. In the Star-Spangled Banner, in triumph shall wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave. And so I find it interesting that nobody can really tell you who designed this flag. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, speculations. Some people say George Washington, two other guys designed it and had Betsy sew it. Someone else said that a guy named Hopkinson, who was the a mission director from Christ Church in Philadelphia, he designed it. But I don't know. I mean, it's really not very clear. Some people say, no, they don't. They fight about it, you know. But I just believe that it was designed by God. And the reason I say that is that, you know, some people, if you ask them, there's 13 stripes. How many? I don't know if you knew that, but there are 13 stripes. And somebody says, well, the 13 stripes are for the 13 colonies. And the stars are for the 13 colonies. Well, now there's 50, but. And I, I find that puzzling because they say 13 equal colonies, but they're different colored stripes. And so I find that not plausible. And the reason I say that is because the, they're, they're different color and they're red over white. And if you know anything about numeral, uh, numeration, numerology of the Bible, you know that six is the number of man. I don't know if you knew that. But six is the number of man. Man was created on the sixth day. So throughout the Bible, six is always the number of man. So there are six white stripes, which are the number of man. And there are seven red stripes. Seven is the number of divine completion. God rested the seventh day from his labor. And seven is the number of divine completion. It's, a sign, it's the number of, of redemption. And red is, the, is, the, is a, a color that is a color that's related to redemption because it takes, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. The Bible says that in Isaiah chapter 1, it says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. So what these stripes, to me, what they say, I think what the meaning behind it was, there are seven, the divine number, read God's redemption of mankind. When the blood touches our life, it turns us it turns our life, it turns humanity into white, white as snow. It makes our lives white as snow. That's what that stands for. I believe that, that those stripes are basically, a, it's the gospel message on a flag. It's telling you that Jesus Christ died. He shed his blood so that six stripes, which is the number of man, that mankind could be purged from their sins. Their sins could be as white as snow. It's, a, it's the story of redemption. Amen. See, the verse in, in Psalms said, the Lord give, gave us a flag. And that flag is a picture of our redemption. The other thing that this flag has is it has, in the upper corner there, it has a square box, which when I look at that square box, can you guys see it okay? When I look at that square box, to me it looks like a window. To me, it looks like a window. Amen. Amen. Windows in the Bible have to do with revelation, seeing into another dimension. It's like right now, if we open these drapes and you, or these, whatever they're called, if we open them and you looked outside, you're in one dimension, but you're seeing into another dimension through a window. That's what, that's what windows are pictures of in scripture. It, they're pictures of seeing into another dimension. And so what, What's, what we have here is we have a window 
that we're seeing something from God's perspective. And the window is, is blue with white stars on it. And the white stars represent the different states, they say. Well, but Abraham was given a promise that our, his descendants would be as the stars of heaven. His descendants would be as the stars of heaven. And the blue sky is the fact that he's, or the blue is representative of the sky, that, that the descendants would be purged by the blood, by the redemption that is simplified by these stripes, and they would become like stars in the heavens, that they would shine forth like the stars of heaven. That's a powerful symbol when you think about it. That America, its people have a divine destiny upon their life. There's a divine destiny. There's a prophetic destiny that hangs over their lives. They were destined to be something. They were destined to accomplish something, to fulfill a purpose in the earth. When the pilgrims first came to America, they, they said they dedicated this land that it would be a city on a hill. And I think about that, how that every single one of those stars are set in the heavens. And that's, that's seeing people or seeing our nation from God's perspective, looking at it from God's perspective. Let me give you a few of these verses so I, I kind of just ran over them. But, but I think that's really what we're talking about here. And look at Genesis chapter 26 and verse 4. His descendants would be like the stars of heaven. Verse 4, it says, Genesis 26, verse 4, he said, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. He could have used any kind of analogy, but he says like the stars of heavens. And you would give your descendants in all these lands, and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And so he said, your, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky. They're, they're, they're destined to, to, to rule. They're destined to be heavenly-minded, they're destined to be heavenly citizens before anything else. They're destined to, to, to influence the whole earth, to be a city set on the hill that would influence the whole earth and bring the principles of freedom and bring the principles of dignity and, and, and equality to every inhabitant of the earth. Amen. The other thing about being in, in a heavenly sphere is that we deal with problems differently than earth people do. We deal with problems differently than earth people do. Because when you're in heaven, when I say when you're, when you're seated in heavenly places in Christ, you have authority over the works of the enemy. See, we were, we were destined to, to deal with problems in a heavenly way, to deal with, with situations from a spiritual standpoint, not from a natural standpoint. Now, sometimes we have to deal with things naturally, but I think that we deal with things naturally because we didn't do what we should have done spiritually. We didn't do what we should have done spiritually. And so we didn't take our place. In Ephesians chapter 2, look at this verse, verses 5 and 6. It says, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace he'd been saved and raised us up together raised us up with him and seated us together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So again, the idea here is that when we become a Christian, we are, we are raised up and we are seated in heavenly places. And that's the picture that that, that's, that window has of the stars in the sky. 
we're, that's a picture of where we're, our position is in heavenly places in Christ. And that from that place of that position of authority, we're to deal and bring salvation and bring healing and bring deliverance to the people of the earth and tell them that there was blood that was shed for their sins and that when that blood it touches their life, it makes them white as snow. That's a good point. But what happens so often is, turning your Bibles to Revelations 12, what happens so often is that we deal with problems like humans do. We leave the place that God has positioned us and we, fight, we start fighting with flesh and blood. We don't fight with spiritual weapons. But our destiny is to be in heavenly places. I know that sounds, maybe it's, maybe it's a little, I don't know if it's deep, but it's certainly in the Bible. But in the book of Revelation, Satan is seen as a dragon. How many have read that verse? Revelation 12, verses 3 and 4. I heard a guy say one time, he says, in the book of Genesis, Satan is seen as a snake. In the book of Revelations, he's seen as a red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. He goes, in, Re in Genesis, a snake, Revelations, a dragon. Somebody's been feeding this guy. <laughs> right? But not only is he seen as a dragon, but listen to what it says. It says, a sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten hordes, and on his heads were seven diadems. Now listen to this next phrase. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. Now most Bible believe, scholars or teachers believe that this is talking about the fall of Satan when he, threw a, when he drew a third of the angels and they fell with him. But I think what Satan did then, if that's true, I'm not sure if it is, but if it is true, I think what Satan did then, I think he just tries to do now because now we're the stars. See, we're the stars seated in heavenly places in Christ. We're those stars. And what the enemy tries to do is with his tail is he tries to sweep us down to the earth and tries to get us to live like earthbound creatures. Amen. Where we don't, we don't deal with problems with our spiritual weapon. Where we, first, the biggest challenge is to see ourselves there. To see our destiny, to see the fact that we have been determined by God for a divine purpose. Our nation is blessed by God. Our nation, God's hand is upon our nation. We have a divine destiny that we have to be, we have to be willing to be used by God to fulfill in the earth. It is to bring the kingdom of God, the blessing of God, the, the goodness of God to earth people to bring healing, to bring deliverance, to bring salvation to their lives, to deliver them from the oppression of the enemy. Amen. That's our God-given right. That's our God-given mission. Amen. And not just to do it in America, even though we need to do it in America, but to, to, to do it around the world. Right. Do it to every nation, that they would hear the glad tidings and the, and the joyful song. And we have to become more vigilant as ever, than ever before because the enemy tries to take that old ugly tail of his. He tries to, just like he did a third of the angels or a third of the stars, he tries to whip that tail and push all Christians down to the earth so that we start living like we're earth creatures. Where we reason like the earth, we don't reason, we don't use the wisdom that God gave us. 
We don't, float, we don't move in the spirit of God. We just move in the flesh. We are reactive. Something, somebody does something. Somebody says something. Well, we'll tell you right now, you know. Instead of attacking the real enemy. So when we face situations, we have a choice either to deal with it as a heavenly dweller or allow Satan with his tail to throw us down to the earth. And you got to think about that. Because I think that today in America, we are engaged in a spiritual battle. There's confusion and fear. These guys, were before I got up, were talking about fear. There's confusion and fear, and there's uncertainty with people. We are dealing with some serious things. Political unrest, social unrest, financial unrest, this pandemic. I'm so sick of hearing about this pandemic. I want to say, where is my seat? I'm going to take my seat. I'm going to start, right? We, and we got to begin to take our seat and start saying, no, no, not any longer. This flag shows us our redemption. It shows us how God views us in our mission. I said, wrote this in my notes. I highlighted, so I better read it to you. We need spiritual resolution from heavenly-minded people who know how to act in a different spirit than the current spirit of this age. I think I better read that again. That's, that was really good. We need spiritual resolution from heavenly-minded people who know how to act in a different spirit than the current spirit of this age. Because we have power. Our prayers have power. Our words have power. Our actions, when we act in a different spirit, like they were talking about giving in a time of famine, that's acting in a different spirit. When we see hate, the Bible says not to return hate for hate, insult for insult, but contrary blessing, knowing that you are there unto called, that you should inherit a blessing. What does that mean? That means to act in a different spirit than the one that you're the one that's being thrown at you. Act in a different spirit. And the only way you can do that is if you see yourself positioned in heavenly places in Christ. He purchased that position. He purchased that seat for you. It's interesting how, how uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever been to a, a game. You know, I, I, I hardly ever go to football games. But my, one of my relatives bought one of these real fancy season tickets where you all the food you want. And the seats are incredible. They're right down there where when the, when the football flies, it messes your hair up. I mean, <laughs> I mean, when the runners hit each other, the sweat hits you in the face. I mean, I, I'm not saying these are good seats, but these are good seats. <laughs> then when you're tired of getting spit on and the ball hitting you in the head, you can go down and eat all the food you want. And this is good food. They have prime rib, crab meat, I mean, all this stuff. But I remember I had never been in a situation like this. And I remember thinking to myself, I just want to make sure that everything he paid for, everything he paid for, I want to make sure I want to get a part of it, make sure I get all of it. <laughs> Amen. I said, well, I don't know, but I, I'm not really that hungry right now because I've eaten shrimp and crab, but I think I'm going to have me a prime rib. Not even hungry, but I want him to. I want to get him to get his money's worth. And Jesus purchased a seat for us. He purchased a seat in heavenly places for us. He said, "Come up here and take your seat." 
I, I died. I, gave my, I poured my blood out. I, I poured out my life. I was buried. The third day I rose. And when I rose, I rose you with me. And I sat down. You sat down with me. There's a seat here for you. Don't let somebody take your seat. Go over to the enemy and say, hey, I think you're in my seat. Get out of my seat. Because our seat is, you know where our seat is? Heavenly places. I like the phrase where it says in Ephesians, I'm almost done, by the way. You guys did good listening to that. I like the phrase where he said, he made us sit together. He made us. <laughs> now, he didn't, it didn't say he made us sit. He said he made us sit together. Because if he didn't make us sit together, probably some of us say, I'm not sitting here. <laughs> no, you're sitting there. You're sitting right there. We made us sit together. But where did he make us sit together? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And that's why the early church, you know, they dealt with, I mean, the early church, I, I love that verse in Acts 17, where it says, these that have turned the world upside down have come down hither also to us. But they were saying it in a good sense. They were saying that you can't go anywhere. There's Christians everywhere. There's people loving each other everywhere. There's people giving. There's people doing all this stuff. The works of Christ are being done everywhere. What is going on? They turned the world upside down. And that has to happen again. We've got to be the type of people that come up and we take our seat. We've been redeemed by the blood. We've been made pure. The blood has touched our life and we have been made pure. And then we are seated in heavenly places. And we've got to take our place. Every time I look at this flag, you know what I think about? I think about the blood that was shed. And I think about what it did to me. Made me clean. Some people, they try to clean themselves up, make themselves worthy for God. You can't do that. But you can yield yourself to the finished work of Christ, and the blood will clean you, make you clean. And then what happens when you're cleaned? He takes you, and he raises you up, and you, you become one of his stars. He says, I, I don't know if I want to be a star. You're one of his stars. Amen. Don't let the devil come with that ugly tail of his and whoosh, and you become dirt. Let me give you one last verse as I close. Are you still with me? How'd you guys think this went? It's, it's all right. How many ever heard a sermon like that on the flag? It's flag day. Come on, it's flag day. I'll bet you anything, when we get to heaven, I'll bet you anything, we'll bump into somebody and said, Thank, he'll say, thank you for telling everybody what I meant when I designed the flag. <laughs> Nobody was getting it. I'm going, well, you know. <laughs> the Lord has given them a flag. Let me read one last verse here. So our citizenship is from heaven. Look at, look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Where's our citizenship? Heaven. heaven. That's where our, they say, where's your address? Heaven. Heaven. I have a home there, but I'm here. I'm here as an ambassador. I'm sent from that world. I'm, I'm sent here as an ambassador, earth creatures, to bring heaven to earth. 
It says, and we, Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Listen, I'm going to close. God has given us a mandate. There is a purpose for this nation. I don't know about you, but I refuse to give up on it. I refuse to secede it to some crazy, crazy people. But I'm not just going to go crazy. I'm going to take my seat. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to declare that this is one nation under God. And that this nation will fulfill its divine destiny. And I'm going to speak against the spirit of this age. I'm going to declare the destruction of the spirit of this age. And I'm going to speak the blessing of God's purposes and God's revival in this earth. How many are with me? So this Thursday, you know what we're going to do? We're going to leave this flag here. We're going to sing and praise God. And then we're going to, we're going to pray for this nation of ours. To see, it, to see it live up to its ideals. See, some people say, well, it's this kind of a nation, it's that kind of nation. It, you can point at all the problems if you want, but I'm telling you, that wasn't the dream. That wasn't its purpose, original purpose. It wasn't designed to be a racist nation. Amen. It wasn't designed for any inequality. It wasn't designed to be a socialist nation Amen. or a communist nation. It was designed to be a free nation, Amen. conceived in liberty. Amen? Yes. And that's the thing we're looking for, is for America to be what God ordained it to be. I mean, I don't worship America, but I appreciate it, and I appreciate what God has God ordained for it to be. And I just don't want it to fall short of that. I don't want it to live below its, its purpose, its destiny. Let's all stand together. Can we sing a song together? And I'll try to bring this to a close. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Can you just close your eyes as the worship team comes here? Let's just pray a prayer right now. Lord, we thank you for a nation that has a divine destiny, a divine purpose. Thank you, Lord. A nation of free men, free women, a nation that promotes liberty throughout the earth, which is, is the greatest gift that you gave to people, or one of the first gifts you gave to them was the ability to choose, the freedom to choose. That was your gift to man, Lord. You gave us the ability to choose. And Lord, we just thank you for this great nation. Pray, Lord, now for it. Pray for its leaders just declared that our president and all the cabinet people declare over them, Lord, peace. Peace and wisdom, Lord, heavenly wisdom. Lord, just give them ideas on how to bring our nation together. We just speak to all the confusion, Lord, and all the fear right now. We just speak to it. We speak peace, Lord. You spoke to storms. In your name right now, Jesus, we speak to the storm. In Jesus' name, command this storm of 
social unrest to desist, to cease right now in Jesus' name. This pandemic, Lord, we just speak against it right now in Jesus' name. Commanded to stop spreading throughout our nation. Come to an end. Flatten out. Come to an end. Cease to exist. No more. No more in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This political unrest, Lord, we just pray, God, we just pray for unity among our leaders, that they will unite against the true enemy, which is not each other, but the true enemy, which is the enemy who tries to bring division. And we just pray, God, that you give those that you've anointed to speak out, Lord, that they would speak out. They would not be silent, but they would speak out, Lord. Give them the words to say, and, and, and we just pray that you'd give them boldness to speak, Lord. That your voice would be heard in our land, God. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We just pray a blessing on this nation. Just say that with me. Lord, just bless this nation. Lord, your hand upon this nation. Lord, let it arise as never before. We speak a, 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 an awakening to this nation a revival to hit this land. Say it again. Revival in this land. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Let's sing this song. If my people who are called by my will humble themselves, humble themselves and pray. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, humble themselves and pray. Seek my face, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive
lift our hands right now and tell God how much we love him. Lord, we love you today. We praise you. We worship you today, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for this nation, God. We just thank you that it shall be what you ordained it to be, Lord. We declare that it shall be. It shall be a city on a hill, Lord. We declare it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you for healing this nation, Lord. Healing this strife and healing the division, Lord. Thank you, God. I pray, Lord, that you'd heal your church. Lord, I pray you'd heal the division in your church, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they would come together as one. They would come together in love, Lord, that the world would know that we are your disciples. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God's good. Amen. I want to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. If you here this morning, you have a need, whether it be a spiritual need, spiritual need, whatever it is, I just ask you to uh, give you the opportunity. You got something you want to say? Okay. There was a joyful sound in that message. Would you agree with that? There was, because there's hope in that message. Well, I just got this little poem. I just came to me. I've said it before, but I just wanted to share this with you. All of you that hear the joyful sound, come to the altar and gather round. Give thanks for your leaders. Shout grace to them. And I, the Lord, will establish them, and your life will be a quiet and peaceful one. <laughs> that powerful? For the right, for the heartfelt prayer of the righteous man accomplishes much, makes much power available, and it can change the course of a whole nation. For it is the meek that shall inherit the earth, the sons of God, in the second birth. It is a mountain that is growing out of a stone that was not cut out by hands. And it will grow till it covers the whole land. And the Almighty says, that's my plan. That's one thing you could say. You could say, I don't care what anything, I don't care what happens. The kingdom of God is going to fill the whole earth. It's going to become a mountain that fills the whole earth. It's destined, it's written, and it shall happen. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. But if you need prayer this morning for anything, uh, you have a spiritual need, physical need, emotional need, mental need, need anything, a word of encouragement, I just want to give you the opportunity, as soon as I dismiss, just make your way forward. We have some prayer counselors here, and they'll, you know, a lot of times God gives them a word for you. And so just be free to jump in line, and, and they'll pray for you. Amen? But we do have some uh, refreshments. But if you have kids, make sure you don't forget about your kids. Don't get so wrapped up in the glory that you forget about your kids. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you on Thursday night uh, for, at 630 right here at the church. You're free to go. God bless you.